It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com at FFFSOSS. Twitter trip. Twitter.tv slash AJ Nick3. What's up? Hope everybody had a good weekend. A big pod on this Tuesday. We're going to do a deep dive, tactical breakdown, big preview of the Arsenal versus Man City Premier League title showdown, which will kick off on Wednesday. So a gigantic preview of that game we'll do in the kickoff because it is, I don't want to say it's a title decider because there are still games to be played. It's not like it's the last game of the season or anything like that. But it is certainly the biggest title impactor of the all so far. So we'll do that in a kickoff. Then we'll do a weekend soccer recap into a midweek soccer preview across the EPL. And the other matches, of course, with Man City Arsenal. Then NFL headlines because Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet. So plenty of reaction to that trade. I've already kind of told you my thoughts about Aaron Rodgers being on the Jets um, the last month and in two months where since he's had that interview on McAfee when he declared his intentions of being the New York Jets quarterback, which I'm going to be honest. Um, I already talked about it, and I said, I don't know if I love it. I don't know. I, I don't think it's the best thing. So um, plenty of reaction to that trade when we talk about NFL and then some PJ Tour to wrap up the program. Thursday show will be a big NFL draft preview with uh, the storylines you got to watch, who's got first round picks, who doesn't, all that kind of stuff. So we'll do that on Thursday show. But tonight's show on this Tuesday program will be a big footy one. Okay, so kick it off. Arsenal versus Man City. Arsenal have not won the Prem since the 03-04 season. They're looking for their 14th overall title, their fourth in the Premier League era. Man City is going for three in a row and five out of six. Now the story of this season, Arsenal are now up five points, but City have two games at hand, so the title is in City's control unless Arsenal beat them at the Etihad. Then Arsenal will be back in charge. Arsenal did have a grip on the race until recently drawing three matches in a row. The first two, they blew two nil leads. Um, very, very poor. And then the third one, just over the weekend, they were down 2-0, what, inside the first 10 minutes there? And then 3-1 down in the second half, and they needed a two-goal rally late to just get a point out of that match. So three draws in a row for Arsenal, and just like that, Man City are back in the title race because they have not lost since February. They've only drawn once in their last nine matches, so eight wins in their last nine, including six in a row, have thrusted them Back into this title race. So that sets the scene for Wednesday at the Etihad. One versus two in the Prem. City have the two at hand. And Arsenal have just a five-point lead. So previous meetings this season between the two clubs. Man City have two wins over Arsenal. A 1-0 win in the FA Cup. It was a fourth-round fixture. And then earlier this season in the Prem at the Emirates, Man City won 3-1 to one after... Saka had equalized from the spot, then City got two more goals after that. So uh, the managers, of course, Pep Guardiola taking on one of his former assistants in Mikel Arteta. 
Arteta has not gotten the best of his old boss. Only one win from nine matches for Mikel Arteta. Eight wins for Pep against his former assistant. Arsenal team news. No Saliba, which will be gigantic. He's really been such a big part of that Arsenal defense. He's made so many other pieces in that Arsenal defense look better. Um, and him being out of the team will be big news. Continued as it's been since he's been out. Tamiyasu also out. Eleni uh, looks like he'll be out, but he wasn't really starting, so it doesn't really matter. But the big news, Jaka should be back. And other than that, those three concerns with Jaka coming back to fourth, Arteta will have a full selection. So I think the 11 will be Ramsdale, Zinchenko, Gabriel, Rob Holding, unfortunately, has to still be your center back unless you want to put Ben White at center back and then bring in somebody else at right back. But you probably just play Rob Holding at center back and Ben White at right back and see if he can hold on. Partey will be the holding midfielder. If Xhaka comes back into the team, this is where he will be next to Odegaard there in the box-to-box, and Odegaard has the free roll. And then the big three up front for Arsenal, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. So the uh, I don't think Kieran Tierney would be in over Zinchenko because Zinchenko is so important to what Arteta wants to do since he's brought him and Jesus in. They've been much better, and they've played a much more defined system um, that Arteta was looking for. So... I would say it's Zinchenko over Tierney um, and holding over the Polish uh, defender that they have, uh, Kiwari, but I would presume it's holding over him. And then maybe if Jacques is not fit, I would see Jorginho in a big game over Vieira. Vieira started against Southampton. I didn't really see much of him, and he didn't play well. So I don't think it's him that would get a start in the midfield. I think it would be Jorginho instead of Vieira if Xhaka cannot be in the 11. Uh, Smith-Rowe is an option for Odegaard, but you haven't really seen Smith-Rowe a ton or one of the spots up front. And with guys like Troussard and Kithia and Nelson on the bench, along with Smith-Rowe, they do have options up front if Asaka, Jesus, or Martinelli would um, have to come off or make way in some sort, uh, some issue like that. So Troussard I can see coming in. But not starting. I think you have to start uh, Saka, Jesus, and Martinelli. They want to be. Your, you want them to be your big game players going forward. Well, you gotta get them in your lineup. Um, I think that's obvious. So, unfortunately for Trossard, not gonna be in the eleven. But I believe he will come on. I think he will come on. So, um, that is the Arsenal news. Ramsdale's got to be big. It's Ramsdale in net. Zinchenko, Gabriel, Holding, and White will be the d- other defenders. Partey in his usual holding role. I think Xhaka does get back into the team in time for this match, and the captain will be Odegaard. Up front, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. So that's the Arsenal team news. How about the host at the Etihad, Man City? Pep should have a full squad. Foden has come back from the appendix, and it looks like Ake has a thigh issue, but he should be good to go. Uh, So other than that, he should have a full team, which this 3-2-4-1 formation that he's kind of gone with, and in years past, we would say, okay, here's about the time of the season Pep overthinks it. Well, it seems like he started this 3-2-4-1 in time, so it's not like he's experimenting. 
you know, in the big games. So Ederson will be the keeper. If Ake can go, he'll be here. Uh, if not, maybe Laporte, but probably not Walker. So Ake, Diaz, Akanji will be the back three. Rodri next to Stones, and Stones in this new little holding role alongside Rodri. And then the four-man wall of Grealish, Gunawan, De Bruyne, and Silva, and then Holland in front of them. So a very interesting formation, but we've seen it work recently for Pep Guardiola, and why would he go away from it, especially in a big game, especially in games he's won recently, and he's chasing this team that he's playing against. So I would lean on that. Um that being lineup, Kyle Walker, this isn't really a system for him, to be fair. Um, you you wouldn't really put him in the Stones role. And I guess he could be the right center back in a... I guess he could be a right center back in a back three, but probably not. But Grealish and Silva will be the wide players. Gunawan in the middle of the park. De Bruyne with that uh, hovering role. And then Holland will be up front as we know so Laporte could come in for Ake I don't see Walker making the team Phillips won't get a start here uh, and I doubt he comes in but Marez coming off a hat trick FA Cup semi-final maybe but I don't think he messes with it Foden could come off the bench Alvarez got a start in the FA Cup uh, semi-final but I don't see him happening uh, happening with a start here so I would say the team would be Ederson, Ake, Diaz, Akanji, Rodri Stones, Grealish, Gunawan, De Bruyne, Silva, Holland. Because um, they've won with this team. Pep's built this little system. And until they really have a bad performance with the system, I think we're going to see it going forward. So don't be shocked if that is the City Eleven unnamed from the wins in uh, the Champions League and the recent wins in the league. Now, of course, we know that they changed against Sheffield United, so uh, it wouldn't be an unchanged side from their last match, but an unchanged side from some previous matches. All right, um, tactics now into the breakdown. City's press versus Arsenal buildup. Arsenal likes to play out of the back. Ramsdale, we've seen him recently, whether it's Ramsdale or some of his defenders, make mistakes and give the ball away in their own end, lead directly to goals. That's just very, very poor. So with the way Arsenal wants to play, and it is building up out of the back, it's not always a long ball over the top because I'll be honest, Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka, they're not the tallest. So they're not like you ping it up to them, they hold it up. It's not really that type of um, system with those three guys up front. But Arsenal do love to play from the back uh, to build up from Ramsdale. City and their press has been unbelievable. Okay, they've been unbelievable recently. Um, they're turning people over. They're breaking through the lines. It's been... Quick transition, De Bruyne over the top, Holland goal. Or, you know, De Bruyne through ball for Grealish. Grealish beats his man, cross on the cutback goal. You know, so City pressing, especially the way they do with Holland and De Bruyne kind of in these free roles. And as long as Silva holds his position 
and Grealish holds his wide position. Gunawan is really in the anchor. And then even behind them, they got two guys in Stones and Rodri. Stones is literally a center back playing in the middle of the park. And Rodri is one of the best holding defensive number six midfielder, whatever you want to call him. He's one of the best in the biz. I mean, it's just obvious. So Arsenal building the play up from the back versus City pressing. If Arsenal can't do anything but huff it up the field, they're going to be in for a long night on Wednesday night. They really are because they're going to need to get the ball between the lines. They're going to have to get the ball through to their goal scorers because if they're just building it up in the back, they're going to end up either turning it over and leaning to a city chance or huffing it up the field, up the pitch, and city just regroup and come down the pitch at them. So Arsenal cannot make mistakes in the buildup, but also it has to be productive for them. It has to lead to very good possession in the middle of the park and in City's end because if City are on the press and they're flying around and how and Silva makes a, a, a not a risky challenge but a challenge that you're like hey I don't know but it gets called clean and it leads to a goal like you're gonna be screaming that you didn't just knock the ball upfield and not give yourself a chance uh, a chance that you had to defend like that so City pressing Arsenal build up my first big key in this match now. Holland going up against Rob Holding and Gabrielle. Um, it's certainly not Saliba and Gabrielle, as we know. And even with Saliba and Gabrielle, I'd still be a little nervous about this matchup for Arsenal because Holland is that good, and he makes world-class center back looks, look terrible, and Rob Holding is very far from a world-class center back. I'm not trying to knock the guy. I'm just trying to tell you how it is. He should not be the third choice. He's not the third choice in a in a title-winning team. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like it's hurt Arsenal here down the stretch of the season. And I don't want to single one guy out, but him being out of lineup, or Saliba being out of lineup and him being in it have certainly cost Arsenal points in this stretch of Saliba's absence. So Holland going up against Rob Holding and Gabrielle, that is trouble for Arsenal. He can body up Gabrielle. He's faster than Holding. We've seen Holding go up against high-profile guys and get sent off. In a big, big top-four clash a couple years ago against Tottenham, he gets sent off against Son. Um, Holding does in a very dumb challenge where he doesn't have to do that at all. So I could really see Holding getting sent off because that's dramatic, but... Holland might just body him up and be like, play me in. I'm running off him. I'm not even going near Gabrielle. Um, if they bring two to me, fine. Then somebody else is open, but I'm not. I'm making Holding defend me for 90 minutes. That would be my strategy if I was City. I would say, listen, they're not going to try to get Holding one-on-one with you. We're gonna just going to try to get that all night because... That is an absolute dream mismatch if you're Man City. Holland one-on-one against Rob Holding. Oh, my God. So, where is Partey in this? Where are the other kind of fullbacks to help out if they're favoring one side or the other in their build-up play? Um, Holland versus the two center backs for Arsenal. Big, big matchup. 
The midfield is going to be really interesting because you look at a midfield that's quite crowded, okay? You have Zinchenko coming into the midfield for Arsenal with Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard. Um, sometimes Martinelli and Saka drop deep. Sometimes Jesus drops deep. So you got Zinchenko, Partey, Zaka, Odegaard at least, and maybe one of the other guys, right? For Man City, Rodri and Stones are in the middle of the park. And then Grealish, Gunawan, De Bruyne, Silva, Hall. Like, this is... It's going to be so crowded in the middle of the pitch in this match. You're going to be looking at the wide areas between Saka, Martinelli for Arsenal for Grealish, for Silva, uh, for Man City. The wide players are going to be the decisive factors in this game for me because there's just so much happening in the middle of the park between City having two holding midfielders and Gundogan and De Bruyne and then the wing forwards, right? And then Arsenal, Zinchenko slots in to the middle of the park a lot of the times. Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard. It is a crowded middle of the park in this match um, and I think the midfield battle of can you string some passes together to get it to your wide guys to reverse the, the field can you uh, get a big switch on from one end to the other to invert and and and, and kind of get rid of and, and manage the pressure that's going to be in the middle of the pitch so and that goes for both teams to be fair because Arsenal are going to want to shut the middle of the park down because they know where De Bruyne is going to be, okay? And for Man City, we know with how they're going to defend, they're not very wide, and they rely on Stones and Rodri to win the ball back so it doesn't even get to Ake, Kanje, or Diaz as the last line of defense. So I, it's a very interesting... Um, matchup, all these kind of things are keys. Now, another question I have or, or key about this game or tactic is Arsenal's counter. Can they counter with Saka and Martinelli? Can they get uh, a ball whipped up to Jesus and he's holding off stones and spins off him and then there they go, three on three with Saka to his right, Martinelli to his left or something along those lines. He can make the decision to be the playmaker or get it back from soccer and Marcelo. But Arsenal, if they do turn City over, breaking quickly because we know what Rodri and Stones are going to do in the middle of the park. If there is a counter, take him down. Take a yellow card. Just take a yellow card. Don't give up the counter. It's fine. You won't get sent off. Don't worry about it. So those tactical fouls that we see with so many pep teams. And to be fair, Arsenal does do it too. We know it, the Arteta. But I, I really do think the middle of the park is the big battle. Arsenal electing to build from the back against City's press, which it's built for, um, to, to pick the ball off and, and score the other way, right? Um, Holland going against Holding and Gabriel. And then for Arsenal... When you do counter, you got to make the most of it. You have to score on counters because City aren't going to give you a bunch of chances. They're just not. And even if you do get the counter going, you still got to beat Ederson, who's a very, very strong keeper. And Ramsdale has made a lot of big saves for Arsenal since coming into his own as the Arsenal number one. But he also is up for the mistake 
up for the howler, which is unfortunate, but it is uh, the truth. So I'll pick a game a little bit when we go through the midweek uh, preview, but it's very interesting how this game is going to play out and how important it is for this season. So weekend soccer recap, EPL, Arsenal, Southampton, 3-3 at the Emirates. Alcaraz scored inside the first minute after a Ramsdale mistake. Walcott, the former gunner, a second goal inside 15 minutes. So Southampton was up 2-0 at the Emirates, and it was a very, very quiet uh, scene in North London, that's for sure. So Martinelli did pull one back after Saka found him on the cutback, but in the second half, a Calcutta Sar header on a set piece Gave Southampton their two-goal lead back until Martin Odegaard, captain's goal, left foot, big finish, 88th minute, brought them within one, and then a netmouth scramble, Saka, 90th minute equalizer. So Arsenal did nearly get a goal that would have got them three points and put them back in the the charge for uh, the title, but only drawing, it's their third straight draw, as I alluded to before, with the other two previously being matches where they had two nil leads, two goal leads, and drew, and blew them. This time they had to come from behind from two goals down. And they did. But they did not get the three points. They only get one point. So with that, a big result for Southampton to only get a point, even though they should have got three. Um, but they're still alive at the bottom of the table somehow. And Arsenal at the top of the table might be um, might be very remiss at these chances that they've had, for sure. A lot of people saying they bottled it. So that one finished 3-3. Fulham leads on the weekend. Fulham went at 2-1. Wilson goal, Pereira goal for Fulham. An own goal brought one back for Leeds, but it was too little too late. Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Liverpool win... 3-2, a Diogo Jota goal opened the scoring from a set piece that was headed around the box, and then finally he got landed on Jota's head. Uh, Nico Williams' deflected goal gave Forrest an equalizer. Then another set piece, Jota, this time with his left foot, uh, very good finish on the volley, gave Liverpool another lead until a, another long throw-in, as it was the first goal, which led to uh, Forrest's first goal, the opener, for then the equalizer, and then Gibbs White leveled the match again off a long throw. And then Liverpool had a set piece, and Mo Salah gets pulled down, still scores anyway. Liverpool hold on, get the three points, and their top four dream is not apparently dead yet. Uh, Brentford and Villa, this one finished 1-1. Ivan Tony opened up a scoring very good cross from Mbuemo to the back post, and Tony was there. Then a net mouth scramble for... Uh, the Villains results in a Douglas Weiss 80th minute equalizer. So the points split there between Brentford and Villa. Crystal Palace, Everton. That one finished nil-nil. Holgate got sent off for Everton. Two yellows for the Tavi defender. Leicester City and Wolves. Leicester City went to 2-1. Cunha gave Wolves a 1-0 lead away from home, but an Ianacho penalty leveled the match. And then a Castanja goal at the back post. Gave Leicester City the 2-1 lead, which they held on to. Bournemouth, West Ham. West Ham win it at the Amex, 4-0. Antonio Paqueta, Declan Rice getting on the score sheet, and Fornals with a ridiculous finish. If you haven't seen that one, the four goal scorers for West Ham. 
And then we had Newcastle Tottenham, where Newcastle went at 6-1. Murphy, a goal at the back post. Joe Ellington, really good ball over the top. And a good finish, made it 2. Murphy's goal was inside the first two minutes. Um, then Murphy got a brace. Big strike, awesome finish. Um, and then Isak got a brace of his own. Five inside the first 21 minutes. Harry Kane got one back for Tottenham, but then uh, Callum Wilson erased that. So Spurs still lose by five, 6-1, the final score for Newcastle. And St. James was rocking. Spurs did try a 4-3-3, and it did not work. And then Levy sacked uh, Stellini on Monday, and now Ryan Mason takes over as the caretaker for the rest of the season. And... If you remember, Antonio Conte was asked about Tottenham playing a back four. I think it was in January when the club was uh, starting to swoon there. He said, I don't have the personnel to do it. I don't have the personnel to do it. It would not be good. We don't have true you know, left backs and right backs. We have a bunch of wing backs because we play that type of system. So, um, Cellini tried it when he was, it seemed like he was exhausted or out of a lot of options. He tried it. It did not work, and it got him, unfortunately, sacked. So hopefully Conte hires him back wherever Conte starts. But um, that was the story in the Prem. How about the FA Cup semifinals? Man City, Sheffield United. I told you Pep wasn't going to play his A squad. He did not, and he didn't need to because Riyad Mahrez, who's not in the A squad right now, he got a pen for the opener. He got a second for a brace, and then he got a third for a hat trick. Man City beat Sheffield United 3-0 at Wembley. And then... Uh, that was on Saturday, and then on Sunday, Brighton and Man U. It was nil-nil after extra uh, normal time. It was nil-nil after extra time. It went to penalties, and United advanced 7-6. to six. De Gea and Sanchez had some really great saves, both in normal time and extra time, and we go to the penalties. McAllister and Casemiro both scored. Uh, Pascal Gross and Diego Delat both scored. Uh, Undai and Duayu. And Sancho both scored. Espanyan and Rasher both scored. Duncan Sabitzer both scored. So that was the five rounds. Then we went into sudden death. Webster and Weghorst both scored. And then Sully Marsh put it over the bar in round seven. And Lindelof won it for United. So we will have a Manchester Derby in an FA Cup final. It's the first time there will be a Manchester Derby in a Cup final in England. Not in the Carabao Cup, the EFL Cup, League Cup, whatever you want to call it. And not in the FA Cup. Have... Manchester United and Manchester City played each other for a trophy. And the scenes at Wembley are going to be crazy as Manchester goes down to London for their day out in some uh, weeks' time. All right, La Liga, Real Madrid, Celta Vigo. Real Madrid went at 2-0. Barcelona beat Atletico 1-0. Fernand Torres' goal, that's a big result for Barcelona after having their own little spell of draws. Serie A, big news here. Juventus back to third. The points reduction has been rescinded. So not only are they back in a hunt for a Champions League spot and eligible for a Champions League spot, they're in one. So Juventus back to third. So that was the big news going into the weekend of matches for Serie A in Italy. Turin beat Lazio 1-0. Inter beat Empoli 3-0. A Lukaku brace and Latoro Martinez goal. So it could be Lukaku that gets a start in the Champions League against AC Milan medals. We'll see. AC Milan beat Lecce 2-0. A Rafael Leo brace, who's one of the best players in that country right now. That's for sure. Uh, Juve 
Fresh off the points, reduction being rescinded. Lose to Napoli 1-0. It was a raspadori stoppage time winner for the Neapolitans who were welcomed back to southern Italy with a, what was that, the moped uh, escort. They were going crazy. So it looks oh, another step closer to the Scudetto, and they could clinch it next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. And on Monday, Atalanta beat Roma 3-1. That's a big, big blow to Roma's Champions League hopes. Um and a chance for Atalanta. Bundesliga, Mainz, Bayern Munich. Mainz beat Munich 3-1. Sadio Mane scored first, but Bayern then conceded three in a row. Dortmund with a win would take first place of the Bundesliga, and they beat Frankfurt 4-0. Bellingham, Malin, Hummins, Malin for his brace. Dortmund take, take control of that title race and move ahead of Bayern Munich in the table. Leverkusen and Rebel Leipzig, Leverkusen went 2-0, and Union Berlin beat Gladbach 1-0. PSG beat Angers 2-1 with an Mbappe brace for the Parisians. All right, midweek soccer preview. Wolves-Crystal Palace, I would say six-pointer. Wolves not coming off a good result, and Crystal Palace coming off a draw against Everton. Goalless draw, that be it. Villa-Fulham, Fulham not playing for anything. Villa fighting for a European spot, so... Um, even though Fulham's not playing for anything, they've gotten some good results still recently. So, um, nothing to overlook at Villa Park for the Aston Villa squad, who I am squad. Leeds Leicester City, six pointer, uh, gigantic match, a really big one in the relegation battle. Can either team get uh three points, which would be big for either team to create some distance between them and. The drop zone. Forest, Brighton. Brighton fighting for top four. Forest fighting for the lives. Forest have a really tough run in. Uh, Brighton don't have the most conducive schedule to rip off a bunch of wins in a row. They're probably going to play a lot of um, relegation sides who are fighting for it. Or uh, they get Arsenal. They get a couple of their top four matchups as well. So there's an opportunity for Brighton to get three of their points that they need for top four. But Forest at the city ground have been good. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. West Ham, Liverpool. At the London Stadium, Liverpool need them. Uh, West Ham obviously needs some results as well to keep them out of the drop zone. But Liverpool fighting for top four. West Ham have given them some problems in the past, but this is not really a great West Ham team. I understand they just put four past Bournemouth, but uh, they should do that. They're a big London club at going against Bournemouth. Come on. Uh, and for Liverpool... It's a side for Jurgen Klopp that's gotten a little balanced with this new formation of Trent Alexander-Arnold kind of coming onto the midfield a little bit to have a little more um, distribution with his um, his spray of big-time passes and crosses. So Liverpool should get the result there. Chelsea-Brentford, London Derby here. I got no idea what the hell is going to go on in this game. Uh, Chelsea have seemed just reserved to play at the string, and it doesn't really matter who's playing. The people on the bench want to play more, it just seems like. And um, I don't envy what's happened to Frank Lampard for anyone. I mean, he's been terrible since managing uh, Everton and going nuts there, but they've been really bad. Brentford is not playing for anything, but they could get a big night at Sanford Bridge, and that I like their coach a lot, Frank, so I think Brentford do get a result there. And then... Man City Arsenal, the one we talked about at the top of the show. Um, do I think Arsenal find their way to get back in the title race? I don't. I think Man City probably put it away for good here and continue to go on their run of wins and rip it up and 
uh, take a title away from Arsenal that they've taken away titles away from Liverpool the last few years and changed in this uh, since Pep's come over to uh, the Etihad. And I think Arsenal, if they win, it's back on. Of course, it's in their hands. Um, those City will have the games at hand. It, it wouldn't matter if Arsenal went out. Um, so it is going to be possible if Arsenal do find a way to win at the Etihad, but that's the only result that they they can get. They cannot really live with a draw, um, and a loss really, really hurts them. So Arsenal have to win it, and therefore I think they're going to play a little tentative, and City can play a little loose. They're the chaser, even though they're they're the chasey, even though they're technically the chaser, which is crazy. That's how that's how weird it is. All right, let me get. Uh, Girona against Real Madrid, Atletico against Mallorca, and Real Van Calo against uh, Barcelona. Uh, NFL updates. Lamar update quickly. PFT uh, reporting no evidence of any progress towards a new deal, especially after the Odo Beckham stuff. So quiet on the Lamar front, but we got updates for Aaron Rodgers because he's now a Jet. And over the weekend, you saw Ian Rappaport and some other uh, journalists tweeting about and talking about the talks are heating up between the Packers and the Jets ahead of the draft. And so much so that the deal has gone through. It went through on Monday. The Jets get Aaron Rodgers, the number 15 pick overall, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. It's number 170. The Packers get the 13th overall pick, a second-round pick this year, a sixth-round pick this year, and a conditional 2024 second-round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this season. Uh, it's the second time in 14 years that the Packers have traded a legendary quarterback to the Jets. Of course, in... Uh, 2009 Packers traded Brett Favre to the Jets in exchange for a conditional fourth-round pick. And for the Jets, I'm going to knock them here. I am. Because swapping picks, fine, I missed that when I looked at my initial reaction, but my initial reaction still stands. They gave up way too much to get back what they got back, or um, they didn't get enough back in general from what they gave up. Because... You can look at it either way. They either gave up too much or didn't get enough back or both. You can look at it any way you want because to give up swap picks, I understand it's going to happen. You move two picks, people are going to get up in arms. I'm going to get up in arms about it because I think it was dumb. But to have that conditional pick not be contingent about him playing in, I don't know, 2024, to be it, to have it be about the percentage of snaps played this season is insane to me. That's a really bad job by the Jets, and I think unfortunately for the Jets' leverage, uh, Woody Johnson was like, "Get this done before the draft. Get it done today." And there goes the leverage for Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, because honestly, there were no other teams. Like the Jets could have waited around; they really could have. And to only get a fifth round back here is bad. You got to fight for a fourth or a third back. Um, especially if you're giving up theoretically two twos and a two that becomes a one, and I understand the swap people. The swap is fine. The swap, the swap's not fine. That's a really bad job out of the Jets. They should have been able to keep their 13th overall pick and not get the Packers pick, and still should have been able to pull this off. If the swap's not there, at least I could say okay. A two that could become a one and a two. For Rodgers, okay. No, it's not. It's not like that. It's a bad job out of the Jets. 
And again, this guy's a very talented quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's a big headache. And him coming to the Big Apple with this media scene, there's going to be issues. And I understand he's coming from the Packers who have their own thing going on. It's not a big media market, but it's a gigantic team. And there's a lot of um, different outlets across that area and across the country because there's a lot of Packer fans uh, across the country, to be honest. So I will say this. Good for uh, the Packers to get it done. They got a lot back. They should be proud of what they got back. The Jets, I think, were under the gun from their owner and had to strike and just get them because to give up what they gave up and not get back more, that just tells me that they were desperate to get it done and they had to get it done on Monday ahead of the draft. Um, so the Jets have acquired their quarterback and the Packers have now started the Jordan Love era for truth, as they say. All right. NFL suspends five players for gambling lines receivers, Jameson Williams, uh, Quintez Cephas and Stanley, Bra uh, Berry Hill safety for the Lions, CJ Moore, and then Washington commander defensive end, Shaka Tony Williams and Barry Hill were suspended, uh, six games. And then Cephas Moore and Tony were all suspended indefinitely and can comply, apply for reinstatement. After the 2023 season, which is what um, Calvin Ridley just did. So the Lions released uh, Cephas and Moore after the NFL suspended them. No word yet on uh, Shaka Tony, if I'm not mistaken, with the Commanders. And Russo made a really good point on uh, Chris Mandog Russo about the NFL is getting into a really, really interesting spot here. And we talked about it with Ridley last year. They're in bed with the casinos. They're in bed with the sports books. How are you going to deal with that? Well, obviously, they're going to clearly suspend their players for even betting on anything. So it's a bad look um, to be taking all these money from the gambling co companies and then to be like, yeah, it's just spend it. Da, da, da. Like, so bad look. Uh, other NFL headlines. So Quan Barkley says whatever happens, happens about the Giants contract talk. So I'll say this. It's not looking great for the Giants. And getting Saquon Barkley to do a long-term deal before the season ends. Or any kind of deal, I guess you could say. This quote does not really give you any uh, inspiration that he wants to be in New York a long time. Uh, whatever happens, happens. It's not like he's like, uh, yeah, we want to get a deal done. No, it's whatever happens, happens. So, I don't know, man. Uh, the Denver GM, Patton, says that Jerry Judy will be a Bronco. So all the trade speculation about Jerry Judy in the offseason, he's not going anywhere. He will be... Russell Wilson's uh, number one receiver for the Broncos year two there. Raiders are throwing out a smoke screen. They're saying that they haven't closed the door on drafting a quarterback just because they haven't signed, uh, just because they have signed Jimmy G. They're not ruling out drafting a quarterback. So that's basically saying, hey, if quarterbacks drop and you're behind us and you want one of them, you better come get them because we're going to take them, which probably isn't that true, um, to be honest. But nevertheless... It is smokescreen season, as we know, with the draft rapidly approaching. So we'll do our draft preview on Thursday show ahead of the NFL draft, the 2023 NFL draft ahead of this new season. So um, that's the news with the Raiders. Bills news. Uh, Michael Hyde says he's ready for the Bills, and the, the Bills are ready to bounce back after a disappointing season. And DeMar Hamlin is saying that he's going to try to play this season, which would really, really, truly be incredible if he could um, – 
if he could lace them up and play. That'd be really, really cool. Uh, PGA Tour news. Davis Riley and Nick Hardy win the Zurich Classic. It's both their first wins in this team competition, which is fun. It's two ball on Thursday and Saturday, and it's um, alternate shot on Friday and Sunday. So Riley and Hardy win it. They fend it off Cantley and Shoffley. They fend it off Bo Hostler and uh, Clark. I think that was his partner. So they are the winners, Riley and Hardy, at the Zurich Classic outside of New Orleans. They've known each other since they were 14. They played hundreds of golf tournaments together, and they partnered at the 2024 Wyndham Cup, which was a junior team event. So that's the story with Davis Riley and Nick Hardy. Gets them into the PGA uh, in, in May, which is very exciting. And it is our next major of the PGA. We got the Mexico Open coming this week, then the Wells Fargo, Byron Nelson after that, and then the PGA Tournament. So three more tournaments till our next major, three more weekends until uh, the next major. I'm pretty sure because is there a WGC? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So uh, that is the tour schedule going forward. I think we're going to talk uh, hockey and basketball maybe Thursday, if not next Tuesday, because I, I've really watched a ton of hockey, playoff hockey. I haven't really missed a game, to be honest. I've been watching a ton of it, and I watch a little bit of basketball. I haven't watched a ton of basketball. I watch a little bit of basketball, but maybe we'll wait for basketball for conference finals, and we'll do uh, hockey next round. We'll see. Um, but that is the Tuesday program, gigantic Manchester City, Arsenal, Premier League title showdown on Wednesday. We will fully recap it on Thursday's show. So a recap in movie soccer and then a look ahead to more weekend footy on Thursday's show. So hopefully you enjoyed this show. Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet. Um, we got a big, big title race in the Prem. And um, it's a very exciting time of sports. So, maybe hockey next episode, probably not basketball, but plenty of footy to carry you through the rest of the way. All right, have a good week. I will talk to you Thursday. Until then, peace. Check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.